great to see you today. If you have your bulletin, want to encourage you to get out your notes. Uh, also, just a couple reminders. They're in your bulletin. There's a ladies' event coming up. I believe it's the first Saturday in February. Encourage, encourage you ladies to come to that, get plugged in. And then on February 9th, we're having kind of our annual uh, banquet for couples. How many of you want to do something sweet for your sweetheart? This is a good time to say yes, everybody. All right. So we encourage you to come. It's going to be on Sunday night, February 9th. And so we're going to have a catered dinner. We encourage you to come to that. We do need a sign up for that to have a number. You can come to the event without coming to the dinner, but we just need to know if you're coming to the dinner. And then uh, we also have child care is going to be provided. But again, we need to know that up front so we make sure we have enough workers in place. So always a great time. I think we usually have about 200 and some people come, 200 and some couples. So I'd love for you to come and just celebrate marriage. I believe it's important. Well today I'm going to talk about something I don't talk about a lot and that's politics. All right. Now I always, uh, I told the first two services, I said, you know, I, I'm going to share a little bit from my heart. And I said, if you disagree with me, you can take me out to lunch and I will listen. And you pay for my lunch. I will listen to your thoughts, all right? I've got 25 invitations already to lunch, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good for a while, all right? But love and politics, so I got a high blood pressure monitor up here, all right, just in case, you know, this is a good day to take your blood pressure medicine. I don't think anything ignites more stress than politics. I mean, I'm amazed. Now, people in Washington going at it, I'm kind of, you know, used to that. But what's sad is when I see brothers and sisters going at it. And that's where we have to raise a standard just a little bit. And I just want to say that our love for each other should be much greater than politics. All right, It's okay to have a view. It's okay to have your view. We may walk in this uh, fall and vote completely opposite and still go out and have lunch. And so we've been talking about the, the main thing, and as Jesus responded when asked what is the main thing, he says, to love relationship with God, number one, and the second was like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so a love relationship with God is the most important thing. And so I'm waiting for this thing to click in here, I got it on. So keeping the main thing the main thing. And again, before I talk about politics, I want to talk about love, because that's the most important thing. Because as we walk out of here today, we may walk out, again, with different ideas about politics, but I hope we can walk out in one heart in Christ as brothers and sisters. And i got to just tell you this, kind of funny, I asked her permission, but in the first service there was a gal in here who's very much, she considers herself the far left. I mean, she'll say she's the local left, all right? And so back in the fall, she was in a discipleship class, and she said to me back in the fall, one of these Sundays, I'm going to sit right on the front row, one of these Sundays. And it was today. And so she sat right on the front when I'm getting ready to talk about politics. I'm going to give you seven points in just a little bit, kind of my thoughts on it. And when she walked out, she said, I only disagreed with seven points. But you know, she smiled, and I said to her, I just want to tell you how much I love you, how excited I am that we can worship together, and even though we may not see eye to eye on politics, I can truly love her, and just I'm so glad that she's in this fellowship. I really am. And so it's not about trying to convert anybody. As a matter of fact, how many of you know the conversion rate on politics? 
Zero. I've never ever had somebody, two believers, sit down and, and debate, and the other one go, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. They just dig in deeper. It gets uglier. And I always think of that song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. All right, how many of you are still glad you came? All right, so glad you came. During the first service, this gal turned and somebody sitting by her go, I think my blood pressure's going up. That's good. We got nurses here. We got first aid. So, I mean, this is one of those services you will not walk out in the twilight zone. I mean, you are going to walk out either mad or glad. I'm either going to be ducking or puckering. Amen, one way or the other. So, let me start. Uh, we're going to talk about the love thing first. I just want to give you a few more verses on loving each other. Because, again, loving God, number one. The second is like it, loving each other. And, by the way, these two go hand in hand. If you ever want to know how your love relationship with God is going, just ask yourself how much you love his children. They go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, the more you get to love God, you get to love his children. Even though we're a work in progress, even though we're kind of a mess and we're working it out, somehow when you love God, you just love his children. Always goes hand in hand. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, real familiar passage, let's read together from the first few verses. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels that have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains that have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And so in ministry and in service, he says that if we're really serving and we're doing it in the flesh and we're really not doing it out of the love of God, there's no profit. And so everything we do in the Christian life, we should be honoring one another and serving one another in love. And even in politics, as crazy as that is, I believe it's possible that we can love each other even though we see differently about politics. I think it's okay. I think we can love each other. And so without love, Paul says, really everything we're doing is, is useless. There's no advantage whatsoever. Galatians 5 is a verse we looked at, I think, in part last week. Let's read it together. Through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says, really, it's really all about this one thing. It can all be fulfilled. One thing is loving each other. And again, I just want to say it's impossible to love each other if we do not love God. But the more we love God, we just find ourselves loving his children. I mean, they go hand in hand, all right? In Galatians 5, when Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit, the very first one he mentions is love. The fruit of the Spirit, number one, is love. I believe the way you know, the evidence you know that you know Jesus is when you find yourself loving his children. You just love them with that unconditional love. That's one of the ways you know that you know Jesus, all right? In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, let's read together. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. How many of you know we're all a work in progress? 
You say, how can you keep going there? That church has got so many problems. That pastor's a mess. Because when you love God, you have patience. When you love God, you have humility. When you love God, you hang in there with people, even though they're, they're working it out. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us. So again, we're to walk in love. Over and over, the Bible hammers that we're to love each other. Philippians 1.9, I love how it says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. You know, the more you fall in love with God, the more you're going to fall in love with his children. It just goes hand in hand. He says, I pray that you just overflow. I pray it just oozes out of your life, your love for one another. Very, very important. Colossians chapter 2, let's read together. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you. I want you to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Love really does bring us together. Even in politics, the greatest acid test is politics. Because again, it has the most emotion, the most stress involved with it. In Jude, verse 21, says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Stay in the love of God. Stay flowing and walking in the love of God. As I mentioned last week in the church at Laodicea, a church that felt like they had it all together. This is the last time the word love is used in an encouraging word. It says in Revelation 12, they overcame the devil because they did not love their lives unto death. But other than that, this is the last time it's used in the body. And here's a church at Laodicea. Remember they said, we're rich, we have need of nothing. They felt like they had it all together. And yet Jesus says, you are bankrupt. And here's a sad picture of Jesus standing on the outside of the door knocking. And even though this is a verse we use in evangelism, and I think it's an okay verse, the truth is it's a verse given to a church. Can you imagine a church so busy functioning that Jesus is on the outside knocking, wanting to get back in? I think it was Billy Graham that said many years ago, in his opinion, if the Holy Spirit left most churches, they would never know the difference. Because they would just keep on going on and doing the same thing they've always done. I hope and pray that's not true of our church. I mean, I hope that we are dependent wholly upon the Holy Spirit and God's love flowing through our life. And so now we're going to get to politics. And so uh, this is my favorite part, all right, because I know man, in both services, can I just tell you, it was really quiet, really quiet. You can see veins kind of popping out on necks. I mean, and you can just see people looking around. And that's okay. That's okay. And so I'm going to share you my, my, by the way, did you see on the news where a couple that were opposite on politics, they flat out got an all-out brawl. How many of you saw that on the news? They got a picture of it. They got a picture of it. Man, that's politics right there. Who can get the most mud on each other and you just work at it? Work at it. While we stand on the sidelines and sing, they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. So they were going at it. So now I want to get to some of our politicians, all right? Here's where the blood pressure goes up. Here's where you, you need your blood pressure medicine. And so I put up four people up here. They're two Democrats, two Republicans. You either feel a lot of love or support, or you feel a lot of stress when you see their picture. I mean, you see a lot of stress. How many of you are feeling some love and stress right now? 
How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask? All right, you just, I'm not going to raise it. I'm not going to raise it. I'm not going to. By the way, this guy on the right up here, they had him on Jeopardy this past week, I think it was. And so Jeopardy is some pretty smart people. You, you got to be smart to be on Jeopardy, at least in my opinion. And they put his picture up and said, who is he? And none of them knew who he was. I kind of thought that was good. That was good. But anyway, so these four right here, again, they're either going to make you feel good or they're going to stress you out. All right? So I'm going to go ahead and give you their names if you don't know by some chance if you're living on a remote island. President Trump, Pelosi, McConnell, Schiff. And so these are at the forefront of all that's going on in the government. There's just a lot going on up there, all right? And so a lot of stress, a lot of things are a result of these four right here, all right? And so I want to give you, if you think you're seeing double, you are, you are. But what you feel about these four is dependent upon the, the, the uh, channel that you watch. How many of you know that? You tell me what news channel you listen to, and I'll tell you how you feel about these four. Because, I mean, I, I mean I, sometimes I'll switch news channels, and the same exact event, the same story, is 180 degrees opposite. Day after day after day, somebody is lying. And I bet you know who it is. It's the other guys. Right? And so I'm going to put up Fox News, MSNBC, Rush Limbaugh, CNN. Again, we are influenced by what we hear and what we see on the news. Now, I want, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, I don't believe anybody here knows any of these four personally. The only thing we know about them is what we're told about them. But again, I understand why politicians go at it, but it's sad when believers are going at it. And so depending on which channel you listen to, and on the way out the first two services, people would say, I listen to CNN. I listen to Fox. Say no more. I know, what you, I know where you're at. I know where you're at. We either see them this way. How many of you see them the way you see them? How many of you see something up there, all right? So you either see them, depending on how you're influenced, you're going to see them one way or another. Hardly anybody is sitting on the fence unless they are just out on a remote island, all right? Almost everybody has an opinion one way or another, all right? So let's look and see what Timothy says. And I, and I fall short on this. I'm just confessing. Let's see what Paul says to young Timothy here. Let's read together. I encourage, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Let me stop there. I don't always do that. I pray according to what I watch. My emotions are based on, on what's influencing me. But the Bible says as believers we're to pray for all those in authority. I just want to go strong enough to say that even, how many of you know God can allow a pagan king to take authority and he can use a pagan king for his glory? And I also want to just say to you as we're talking about politics, I just want to tell you God has this thing. He's not stressing out. 
I believe God is in control. But I believe we have a part. I think we ought to have a part. As a believer, you should vote. And your vote should be based on your conviction, based on the Word of God. But I just want to, again, be honest. Depending on how you were raised, the people that influence you, and the things you watch, that really, really strongly molds your political views. That's why when I see two believers who I know love Jesus as much as I do, and yet they're on complete opposite sides of something, something, somewhere we got misinformation. But again, the bigger picture is we need to, to love each other. That's the bigger picture. He says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. I want to challenge our church to begin to pray for all the leadership. The hard part for me is giving thanks. I don't want to give thanks for some of them up there. But I've got to know that God is in control. I've got to pray. I've got to be thankful. I'm going to vote. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to vote based on what I believe conviction. And I challenge you to do the same thing. So revival will never begin in the White House. So who's in the White House? Is it important? Yeah, I think, I mean, I want to do everything I can to pray and get the right person in there. But revival never, ever begins in the White House, but begins in the church house. You know, when you think about God destroying Sodom, and some people go, man, he destroyed Sodom because it was so evil. And that's true on one hand. But the other side is, God said to Abraham, if you, Abraham, if you can just find five righteous people, I'll spare the city. You know, I believe that America needs some righteous people. There's going to be corruption. There's going to be evil. But may God find righteous people who take a stand on his word and love God and love his people above politics. All right, so I'm going to give you seven things. Here's my spill, all right? I've only got three in your bulletin, so I'm giving you four bonus ones. You guys are going to be blessed, all right? Four bonus and again, of the seven, of the seven, the lady in the first service said she only disagreed with me on seven. So I didn't hit home with anything on her, all right? And that's okay. We still hugged. We loved each other. And that was probably one of my best compliments of the day, that we can go out and love each other, even though we don't see eye to eye. Number one, for me, is sanctity of life. I believe life begins at conception. You know, I know we debate... There's people that love God that will debate the opposite side of this. And really the question to me is not a woman's rights. Because I believe a woman should have every possible right possible. The question is, when does life begin? Because if we understand life begins at conception, then it's not a matter of a woman's choice. It's a matter of honoring the life that God has placed in her womb. And I have brothers and sisters that I love dearly who will be just the opposite of me. And I, I say, I, I still go out to lunch with you, but I'm just sharing with you from a biblical perspective. I believe the Bible is so clear. I don't even have a question of whether or not life begins in the mother's womb. All right? And so let me uh, give you a picture here. How many, back in the day when we had our kids, this is kind of what the ultrasound looked like. And so I talked to Thrive, talked to Kim Smith back there who got me 
Talking to Thrive, who's a pregnancy resource center down in St. Louis, because I was curious how many women who saw an ultrasound would choose to keep their baby. Because most of the people who go into these pregnancy resource centers, I would say the majority, and I may be wrong, are at least considering abortion. And by the way, nowadays it's gotten a lot better. How many of you know things improve? Nowadays it doesn't look like this. It looks more like this in 4D. The lady from Thrive said 87% of the ladies that come in Thrive, 87% after they see the ultrasound and see the life inside of them choose to keep their baby. That's why it's so vital to see that life and to know that there's life. And again, if you're going to argue a woman's choice, I'm not going to argue with you. And I, you know, I had a niece that had an abortion. I mean, most of us have been affected by abortion, either family or extended family or friends or something. We've all been affected. And I don't stand up here and beat anybody up. I really don't. I've heard guys get up and almost pound people that have had a divorce. Not a divorce, an abortion. I've heard divorce too, by the way. That's a different sermon. But anyway, they pound people that have had an abortion. Can I tell you, I would never, ever pound anybody that's had an abortion. My heart breaks. And I believe we ought to break. And I think a lot of times it's because they haven't had the information. Maybe they've got bad information. And I know there's maybe some rare exception out there, but I'm saying 99.9% of the time, I believe that we should choose life. I believe life begins at conception. Let me give you a couple scriptures. Jeremiah 1, God said this to Jeremiah. Let's read together. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I separated you for myself. I want to tell you, he says to Jeremiah, man, I formed you in the womb. The hand of God working inside of a mother's womb is so beautiful that God works that together and God is working that creation inside of the mother's womb and even says to Jeremiah, I separated you for myself before you were even born. Before you were even born, I had a plan for your life. I believe, again, that life begins at conception. In Psalms 139, David said this, and this is a photo. You probably have seen one like it. They're doing surgery on a pregnant woman, and the little baby reaches out his hand and grabs the doctor's finger. For you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 is such a beautiful psalm about God's handiwork inside of a mother's womb. And again, it's, to me, it's not a question of a, of a woman's right to choose. I think the real question is, when does life begin? If we really believe it begins at conception, that makes all the difference in the world in how we feel about abortion. Love Psalms 139, great psalm. In Luke chapter 1, this is when Mary was going to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth said this, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby, who was John the Baptist, in my womb leaped for joy. Now I want to ask you, if Elizabeth had an abortion, would that have been wrong? I mean, God had that life. That life leaped for joy 
inside of the mother's womb. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of that life inside of the mother's womb. Love that story. I love these pictures over here on the left, uh, inside these 4D images of, of babies in the womb, and I love when they're smiling. I believe God loves children. That's why I think God was drawn. When Jesus walked this earth, man, he was drawn to infants. When they wanted to bring little infants and, and, and have him bless them, man, he was all over that. I believe God loves children. Abortion facts, real quickly. Back in 2018 in America, in the U.S., one statistic, I got 862,320 abortions. Those are ones that were reported. About 11.8% of pregnancies ended in an abortion. I mean, when you read that, it just breaks your heart when you understand that life begins at conception, and yet we've aborted nearly 900,000 just in one year in the United States. To kind of put that in perspective, in World War II, the U.S. lost 416,800 soldiers. In the Vietnam War, we lost 58,220 U.S. military. So in one year, we've aborted more lives than were lost in World War II and Vietnam put together. Somehow, I think we just have to stand up, and again, for the voice of those who cannot speak for themselves, that voice inside of the mother's womb. And so one of the things that to me is really important is the stance they take on the sanctity of life. I think it's really important. Number two is whether or not they stand with Israel. I believe that God's hand is on the nation of Israel, and I believe that it's popular in many times to, again, to throw Israel off. And even though I know that we are a spiritual Israel, I still believe that God's hand is on the nation of Israel. God said to Abraham back in Genesis 12, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse him who curses you. And then in Psalms 122, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I think we need to stand with Israel. And so I believe that's really important to me. In a country that turns their back on Israel, in many ways, turns their back on God. And so I just want to give you this picture. I've shown it to you at some point in the past. But this is a picture of Israel. It's in the blue. And all the yellow is the Arab countries. I mean, it's against all odds. They should not make it. How in the world are they surviving this little bitty country? Because God. And I'm going to go out on a limb and just say by the authority of the Bible, they're going to be here in the end. Now, I don't know if America will be here, but I know Israel will. And I'm going to tell you, God said, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. We need to stand with Israel. That's, that's my humble opinion. All right. Number three, definition of marriage. I hear recently all these different definitions of marriage, and I'm not talking about somebody's right as an American, but to me, I mean, this is one of those things, I look in the Bible, I think the Bible's very clear on the definition of marriage, all right? Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, let's read together, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I don't think it would be any clearer than that, that from the beginning of time, God made them male and female. I don't believe there are three or four genders. I think there is male and there's female. 
And marriage defined by God is one man, one woman who joined together and committed for life. I believe, I don't know if committed is the right word. Is that the right word? We're committed for life? <laughs> that may be a bad word. Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so again, I love to hear someone stand and, and stand on the biblical definition of marriage. It may not be popular in all circles, but how many of you know it, whether it's popular or not, it needs to be right. And so we need to stand for what's right in a biblical sense. Let me give you the last ones, and these are ones I just thought of last night, and I'm throwing them in as a bonus, all right? A personal faith in Jesus. You know, obviously for all of us, we want to hear someone who has a personal walk with God. Now, one of the things I've noticed just recently, how many of you know there's verses coming from all different sides? Have you ever noticed that, that they're throwing out some verses? But what I want to see is their walk, and I want to see, do they really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that you can't hide. And so even though they use a verse, and even though they throw out verses, I'm, just, I'm challenging you to really look at their life and to see if they have that personal walk with Jesus Christ. Number five, selecting judges. You know, I believe the judges they choose literally have a lifetime uh, time of service. And so the judges they pick are really important. And so I want to challenge you to see what they believe about the judges they select because I do think it makes a big difference. Number six, military and senior citizens. I ran out of numbers, so I put two together, all right? Sen military and senior citizens. I'm one of those people that believe we ought to take care of our military. We ought to take care of our veterans. I think it's a shame if we don't. Now, again, I'm just giving you my opinion, but I'm up here. I think we ought to be thankful for the men and women who have served this country and given their lives. The last thing we should do is push them aside. And so I want to hear somebody who's going to take care of the military, our senior citizens who have served this country, and I believe they should not ever be put aside or be treated as second-class citizens, especially, I am one now, but I've always felt that we should take care of our senior citizens. I really do. And so to me, those are important things. And the last one is money in the wallet. Now, again, I, I think it's important. I think somewhere we got to be asking, how's it going to help us? But can I tell you, in my opinion, it's on the bottom of the list. Because if we're only voting for our pocketbook, I think we're missing the most important thing. I believe we need to vote, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to pray and to seek God and to come up with your list of what you believe God would motivate you as you go to the polls and, and what would motivate you in your vote. And I pray that we wouldn't go in as a Democrat or a Republican. I pray that we would go in as a child of God. And our number one goal is to lift up Jesus by, what, by however we vote. Psalms 33 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I hope that God looks down at America and he's going to see some craziness. But I hope he sees righteous people who believe that their love for him and their love for each other far exceeds any political differences.
By the way, that couple that was fighting at the beginning, they heard my sermon and made up. Is it possible for two people to walk out and love each other? I got a picture of it. I just wanted to show you. It can happen. It can happen. That's the ultimate conversion right there. And it happened at the 8 o'clock service when this lady walked out. We hugged each other. I want to close. I love this picture. The face of prayer has changed, but the need of prayer has not. We serve and live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. I just want to remind you, nations have come and nations have gone. Empires have risen and empires have fallen. I pray that America would stand strong in the sight of God. I want us just to pray for our country if we can, and then we're, we're going to close today by uh, Sandy Patty sings a rendition of God Bless America. That's my prayer for our country, that God would bless this great nation that we live in. I want to ask you to stand if you can. I know this probably isn't, again, we, we've been doing it a little bit lately, but would you just join hands I want us to pray together and stand together and pray for this nation. And then as, as we have the song, the words will be up here. Feel free to sing along to God Bless America, and this will be our benediction. I want us to join together and covet together to really seek God in this election and to really pray and honor God with every vote that's cast. And again, whether we go into the, the booth next fall, we are completely opposite. I want to honestly love you as a brother and sister in Christ, no matter what. Our love for each other should supersede any differences we have. So let's pray together, and then we're going to close with God bless America. Father, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here today. And God, our country seems to be in so much turmoil. And God, I just pray for our leaders, and even though, God, there's so much diversity going on, I can see your hand blessing this nation. And Father, I pray that your spirit would guide all of those in leadership. I pray in the craziness that, Lord, somehow we could be united together under our love for you. And so fill us with your spirit empower us to make a difference every day that we live and we just want to honor you with our life in jesus name amen we're going to close with god bless america
corazón. 